Amen. Acts chapter 2. We'll turn as our motto text to the verse 41. Acts 2, verse 41. <clears throat> then they that gladly received his word <clears throat> were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Revival. Peter was the preacher. The Lord used his preaching to bring revival to Jerusalem. So the day of Pentecost had fully come. And as promised, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon all who were gathered there in that upper room and were having a time of prayer verses 3 and 4 it should be pointed out it should be pointed out that whenever those who were filled with the Holy Ghost began to speak in tongues it had nothing whatsoever to do with the modern day tongues movement we're told about the heavenly gift and the heavenly tongues and all the rest of it but these were languages these were languages that people could understand you look there verses 6 to 8 now when this was noised abroad the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language and they were all amused and marveled saying one to another behold are not all these that speak Galileans listen and how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born and you look there at verses 9 through to 11 you'll find 15 different regions where these Jews came from and so 15 different regions that these people came from when they heard the apostles speak in tongues or in languages they understood this was no mysterious language it was a language that the people heard and when they heard it they understood we read in the verse 11 the Cretes and Arabians we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God so they understood and they knew what was being said by the apostles so the modern tongues movement absolutely nothing to do with what we have here in God's word but not all were impressed or surprised by what they heard for we read in verse 13 others mocking said these men are full of new wine thought they were drunk devil wastes no time <clears throat> mocking God's people mocking the servants of the Lord same then same today They mocked the Lord, remember. And the man that held Jesus mocked him and smote him. Luke 22, verse 63. Just as Joel, the prophet, <coughs> or sorry, Joel, in his 
book said there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts that's what you have today there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts take your stand for God for truth for righteousness and for this book in this day against the modern day trends and the filth that is out there and being promoted no matter where you turn take your stand against it you've been laughed at you've been mocked well better to please the Lord than never to please the world but Peter knew how to deal with the mockers if you look there at verse 16 but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel he had a day with the devil's crowd he dealt with the devil's crowd by turning to the word of God Peter himself of course had been filled with the Holy Ghost the day of Pentecost so he answered the mockers by turning to the scriptures and spoke with great boldness great boldness using the word of the Lord Paul said Ephesians 6 and 17 the sword of the spirit that's the word which is the word of God sword of the spirit sword of the spirit will defeat the devil and the devil cried every time but there's no answer there's no answer to God's word and that's what Peter did he preached the word unto them he preached Christ unto them and what was the result revival revival in Jerusalem well if 3,000 souls were saved you would call that revival and when you think this was the congregation that Peter was preaching to over 3,000 souls and 3,000 were saved so Peter addressed the mockers and the other Jews that were there and with great boldness we see first of all he dealt with their treatment of Christ as a man filled of the Holy Ghost Peter addressed the enemies of the Lord with great boldness that's what happens when a man is filled of the Holy Ghost he preaches with boldness he charged them the heinous crime against the Lord Jesus Christ or against Jesus of Nazareth verse 22 the treatment of Christ he dealt first of all with the wickedness of their sin we know that all sin is wicked surely the sin against the Lord Jesus Christ that those mockers and those who turned against Christ was the worst of all sins and so he dealt with the wickedness of their sin as Peter preached to that large crowd of people he certainly wasn't trying to be popular he talked about the wickedness of their sin verse 23 him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain wicked hands no telling what wickedness the hand of the depraved man will get down to 
But Peter, of course, wasn't trying to be popular. Peter was preaching the truth. Telling them what they had done to the Lord. And that's what Peter did. He dealt with the wickedness of their sin. He told the truth. Notice in applying the truth, he was very pointed. Ye have taken. He was personal. Ye have with wicked hands crucified the Son of God. Pointed. He was personal. No. He didn't preach over their heads. No. None of them there in that crowd could say, What's he talking about? Who's he talking to? Peter addressed them in a personal and pointed way. Each one of them and the blood of an innocent man on their hands. Each one of them was guilty, guilty, and guilty of the arrest and crucifixion of the Son of God. And look, those with wicked hands were without excuse. Look at verse 22. <coughs> Ye men of Israel, so there's Peter's pointing at them, ye men of Israel. Hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, the man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. They were left without excuse. They had seen the Lord's ministry. They had heard him preach. They had seen the miracles, the wonders, and the signs which God did by him in the midst of them. Peter says, As ye yourselves well know, they were without excuse. They could see what the Lord Jesus did. And Peter made it clear that their crime against the God of heaven. What they did against the God's Son. Now, let us take all that we have just said and all that we have just seen bring it into this meeting bring it in here how many have wicked hands how many have committed sin against the God of heaven every one of us for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Yes, church members have sinned. Those who do good deeds have sinned. All have sinned. And here we say how many are without excuse like the men of Israel. They had been given the message of Christ. The Lord had been within, uh, within and out through them with miracles and signs and wonders. And they rejected it all. And then they had been left without excuse for years. They hear the word of God they're told about the Lord Jesus Christ and who he is and why he came into the world and why he went to the cross and yet they're still without God 
I tell you something. I wouldn't like to be that person standing before God in the day of judgment. They'll not be able to plead ignorance. They'll not be able to say, nobody told me I needed to be saved. Nobody told me I was a sinner. No. Been given the gospel for years. Yet they're still without Christ. They're still in their sin. Terrible, isn't it? They're without excuse. As well as the wickedness of their sin. Peter also told them the way of salvation. The way of salvation. Look at verse 21. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call in the name of the Lord shall be saved. Isn't that good? Look at the words of that what Peter quoted there. <clears throat> whosoever there's the scope <laughs> wide enough isn't it? Whosoever some of you know for a number of years I was the Free Presbyterian chaplain of the maid's prison outside Belfast where all the paramilitaries were held there's one man there in particular he'd been convicted and sentenced to life in prison listen for 13 murders I would hold a bible class in the prison on a Friday night before the meeting started he came to me and there tears in his eyes he said would you pray for my granddaughter she's in the hospital Will you pray for Stephanie? Now here's a man committed 13 murders and yet he's weeping because of his granddaughter. I said, Bobby, I'll certainly pray for her and I'll go and see her. I went the next morning to the Royal Victoria Hospital in Delta and visited Stephanie. Monday morning I got a phone call from the Crumlin Road prison in Belfast and they told me that Bobby had been transferred from the Mayor's prison to the Crumlin Road in Belfast he wants to see you I went in on Tuesday morning sitting in the waiting room and I could hear Bobby coming along the corridor. And I heard him saying good morning to the prison officers. I thought to myself, something has happened here. And he had, he came in, he had a Bible in his hand. He'd got a haircut, he'd got shaved. And he told me, and over that weekend he had battled with the Lord telling the Lord Lord if you heal my granddaughter I'll give my heart to thee he says he walked around the exercise yard most of the day until he came to the point whether or not the Lord healed his daughter he would get saved and he did 
whosoever. It's wide enough. It's wide enough to take out a man who was guilty of 13 murders. And the Lord saved him. And I never saw such a change in an individual. Knowing what he was before. He was a new creature. <coughs> Whosoever. John Newton, the man who wrote the hymn Amazing Grave. <coughs> John Newton says, he says, I'm glad. It says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm glad it didn't say, if John Newton calls on the name of the Lord. Because I would, he says, I would have thought it was some other John Newton. But when it says, whosoever, it takes in all John Newtons. Praise the Lord. Great, isn't it? Whosoever there's the scope shall call there's the simplicity call no you don't have to pay anything you don't have to do anything you don't have to go on a pilgrimage or anything of that nature call on the name of the Lord it's so simple that call means you pray the sinner's prayer say Lord save me I'm a guilty hell deserving wretch come Lord and save me that's all the scope whosoever the simplicity shall call on the name of the Lord the Savior you see that Peter didn't say he called on the name of the church if he called on the name of the temple if he called on the name of a priest if he called on the name of the Lord he doesn't mention anything else or anyone else call on the name of the Lord the Lord Jesus Christ of course because Christ is the only saviour of the soul is the only one who can save no you don't call on the name of the church you don't call on the name of a cleric you don't call on the name of any ceremony call on the name of Christ the only one who can save from sin then there's the sureness whosoever the scope shall call there's the simplicity on the name of the Lord there's the saviour shall be saved there's the sureness shall be saved terrible isn't it When someone goes through life, they're depending on what good works they've done, how they've paid into the church, but at the same time, they're not sure if they've done enough. They're not sure if they've paid enough. You call in the name of the Lord. ask the Lord to save you the Lord will do the same thing there's no payment praise the Lord there is no payment the vilest offender who truly believes that moment a pardon from Jesus the saved. Why have we a great gospel to preach? A great gospel message to declare. And it's free. 
salvation's free. Why? Because Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. Sin and left the crimson stain. He washed us white as snow. Bless the Lord. So, as well as the way of salvation or the wickedness of sin, Paul or Peter also told them about a wonderful sight. A wonderful sight. Peter now let his hearers know that, listen, the one that they had taken and by wicked hands had crucified and slain, Peter said, He's risen. He's alive. He is risen from the dead. Oh, we know how the enemies of Christ tried to persuade people that the disciples had come in the middle of the night and stolen away his body from the grave. Well, we know the devil's a liar. The truth is not in him. No, the disciples didn't take away the body of Christ. Up from the grave, he arose with a mighty triumph o'er his foe. He rose a victor over the dark domain, and he lives forever with the saints to reign. Whenever the visitors to the grave went that morning, the stone was rolled away. was rolled away not to let Christ out no the stone was rolled away to let others in to see the place where the Saviour lay and that was the wonderful sight because the Lord's resurrection listen the Lord's resurrection had been prophesied by the words of David look at verse 27 <coughs> because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption quoting uh, Psalm 16 <coughs> think of that the resurrection of Christ prophesied and revealed to David and what did Peter say leave my soul in hell or the grave neither will thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption you remember whenever Lazarus died and the Lord came to the grave the Lazarus' grave four days later remember what they said they knew that his body would be decaying and basically said to the Lord there was no point God behold he stinketh his body was corrupting But that didn't happen with Christ. Oh no. Because thou will not leave thy soul in the grave, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Christ was in the grave for three days. Why does his body not corrupt? Why? Because he's the holy one. He's without sin. He's without sin. And so his body would not corrupt because there was no sign of sin in Christ at all. He's holy, harmless, undefiled, 
separate from salvation. <coughs> Not only are there being promised <coughs> pardon me and prophesied the words of David and also the witness of the disciples because they had testified yes he did rise from the grave what a wonderful sight he was not left in the grave neither did his body see corruption what a message Peter had to preach to those Jews a crucified Christ a buried Christ but a risen Christ A ruling Christ. A coming again Christ. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't it wonderful? To think our Lord's coming back again. He is. And boy when you look around. And see what's in the world today. How many times have you said. The Lord's coming's not far away. You remember Brother Tom Bugardi here? I remember Tom when the, the prayer meetings he would often say Lord we can almost hear thy footsteps at the door. And that was a lovely way of putting it. The Lord's footsteps at the door. That's how close we are to the coming again of the Lord. And how many are ready for that day? many are saved and many have called upon the name of the Lord and are saved as well as their treatment of Christ we press on and we see their troubled conscience Peter had faithfully preached the truth he had preached Christ to his hearers and of course it involves the Savior because only Christ can cleanse men from their sin and be their Savior the Lord told them they were to repent you see there first of all in the verse 37 verse 37 now when they heard this they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles men and brethren what shall we do what can we do what shall we do there you there we see their anxiety and Peter saw what all preachers of the gospel want to see when they preach the word conviction <coughs> they were pricked under a heart <coughs> that word pricked means pierced pierced as they say Peter's words didn't go over their heads and they didn't turn around to each other and say what's he talking about oh. their heart was pierced through by the truth of God's word reminds us of the words of Paul for he said for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit well the heart the conscience of those who Peter preached to that day was pierced by the word of God the word of God which is quick powerful and any two edged sword it's the message that will challenge the hearts of men about sin 
about their sin and they convict. Any other message? Any other message is worthless. I tell you, it's worth worthless. I know when my wife and I were in an Anglican church, we were familiar with what the Anglican ministers preached particular boil that we sat under before we were saved of course denied the miracles and the inspiration of scripture but you know they love to tell stories they tell a story about something that had a moral they tell the story and then they apply the moral to their congregation Good for nothing. Good for nothing. Peter preached the word. Peter preached Christ. Peter preached salvation. Through the blood of Christ. Through the crucified Christ. And what was the result? And the brethren, what shall we do? They came under conviction. I get too many people coming under conviction listening to a story with a moral to it. No. Men and brethren, what shall we do? What do you like to hear? That's what you like to hear come from those from the lips of a convicted sinner. What shall I do about my sin? What shall I do about the coming day of judgment? What shall I do that I can escape hell? What shall I do that I may enter heaven? What shall I do? Well, <coughs> Peter wasn't always given the answer. Verse 38. He already told them, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But then he develops that in verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins that ye shall receive, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's a message, isn't it? That was Peter's answer. Repent. A lot of people don't like that word today. No. No, they like to become a Christian. But hold on to their sin and hold on to their own way of life. No, no. It doesn't work that way. Peter said, repent. Repent. What does that mean? Well, it certainly means about having a sorrow over your sin and your sinful will. <coughs> the word repent means separate from your sin. It means a change of direction in your life, a turning around away from your sinful will. It means a change in your life. And of course, it involves the Savior because only Christ can cleanse the heart of men from their sin. Only the Lord can do that. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, the Lord, the Lord shall be saved. Repentance means to turn from sin and turning to the Lord Jesus Christ and accept Him as Savior. That's it. And there's no other way. I don't know how. People think there is another way. When you go to the highest authority of all, the Lord Jesus Christ, what did the Lord say? I 
harm the way. The truth and the life, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Christ is the way. Yes. Repent and be baptized. Baptism doesn't save you. Peter said, Repent at him first and be baptized. Baptism is a testimony to the world that you have repented and you receive Christ as your Savior. Take away the word repent and you're left with baptized that doesn't save no W.P. Nicholson great Ulster preacher and he said about those who were depending on their baptism for salvation he says you may be wetter but you'll be no better and that's true you may be wetter, but you'll be no better. It's not the baptism that saves. It's the repentance. And baptism is your public testimony. Telling the world, I have repented, and I have received Christ as my Savior. And then Peter said, you receive the Holy Ghost. You know that? Every person get saved they receive the Holy Spirit Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 in whom ye also trusted Christ after that ye heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation in whom also after that ye believed ye were sealed <coughs> with the Holy Spirit of promise which is the earnest of your inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. So when you receive Christ, Peter or Paul here says, you've received the Holy Ghost. You're sealed. Which is the earnest of your inheritance. That word earnest is an interesting word. The word earnest means deposit. It means deposit. You sort of think to yourself, well how do you get that word in there? Deposit. Well let me explain it this way. What if you go to some furniture store and you see a suite of furniture and you just don't have all the money with you there and then <coughs> then what do you do? You put the deposit on. Alright? You put the deposit on that suite of furniture. Nobody else can buy that suite of furniture because you have the deposit on that suite of furniture is yours because you put a deposit on and the Lord Jesus we belong to him the Holy Spirit listen, is speaking reverently the Holy Spirit is our deposit for heaven it means listen <coughs> It means that you and I, believer, are as sure of heaven as if we were already there. The deposit for heaven is the pain. He's the earnest, the Holy Spirit, the earnest of our salvation. And then you have the application. The anxiety and the, uh, the answer and the application. Peter now applies all that he had said to the hearers 
39 and 40 for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off even as many as the Lord our God shall call and with many other words did he testify and exhort saying save yourselves from this untoward generation in other words he said get out from the unsealed because he says this is wonderful here for he says the promise is unto you yes the same people who with wicked hands had taken Christ and made him out to be crucified the same hand Peter says the promise is unto you brings us back again to the worst of sinners the worst of sinners and the promise of salvation was unto those who crucified Christ <coughs> well and the Lord prayed for them when he was on the cross Father forgive them and they know not what to do that's why we sang that hymn of John Newton's Amazing Grace no wonder Newton described it as Amazing Grace that the Lord would have grace on those crucified amazing grace finally and quickly as well as the treatment of Christ <coughs> and their troubled conscience we see the true conversion the result of Peter's faithful preaching was wonderful. You had the first of all the saved. The saved. The result of Peter's preaching. Verse 41. And they that gladly received his word were baptized, and same day there were added unto them about three thousand souls. Three thousand souls saved. And the simple, bold, profound preaching, faithful preaching of Peter. They that gladly received the word, that's the dividing line. Those who receive the word and those who don't receive those who received the word <coughs> they'll receive they receive the word they receive the truth 3,000 souls were added unto them what's that? that's revival would that not encourages all to pray for the preaching of the word to pray that your minister know the fullness of the Holy Ghost souls will come in and hear the gospel and get saved certainly encourages to pray for revival revival there were those who were saved and then they were steadfast reading the following verses tell us that what had taken place was genuine they attended to the Lord's table they lived by the word they enjoyed fellowships verse 30 42 they continued steadfast in the apostles doctrine 
and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. That's a sure sign someone saved when they engage in prayer. So you have the same, you have the steadfast, and then you have the singing. Verse 47. <coughs> they were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved, or the word there means, such as were being saved. It was an ongoing work. Peter was the preacher of revival. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts. <coughs> That's valid prayers. Dear Lord, we thank thee that we believe thou art still the God of revival. And Lord, thou art still blessed through sign preaching of the word and the preaching of Christ. I am I be lifted up from the earth. I will draw all men unto me. <coughs> Lord, let us see it. <coughs> let us see it, Lord, in this hard day. Send us revival. Let it begin now in me. Gladly dethroning each rival. Yield I my heart unto thee. Lord bless us as we gather around the Lord's table. Lord for any who are not able to stay. May thy blessing go with them. And Lord bring us back again this evening. May we begin the day. And as it were end the day in the Lord's house. No better way to spend the Lord's day. We ask all these things in our Saviour's name. Amen.